Halloween. This is the Horrorphoria podcast, and this is Shocktober. Andy Gilly and John Richards are watching and reviewing Halloween-themed horror movies. Is it good? Is it bad? Or is it a classic? Find out now. <laughs> Welcome to the Horrorphoria podcast. It is Friday. What is it? October 23rd of 2020, broadcasting from our... Well, um, coming of age studios in Wausau, Wisconsin. It is Shocktober month for episode number 82. Talking about Ginger Snaps from 2000. Director John Fawcett. I'm John Richards. And Andy Gilly. Uh, like a lot of times I don't really check out the movie we watch beforehand. And, uh, you know, John chose this movie. And I'll admit if I had been handed a synopsis or actually read what it was about, I probably would have told him to make a different choice. Uh, <laughs> this movie explores two Canadian sisters' journey into womanhood using the metaphor of turning into werewolf. Um, uh, I wasn't sure that our listeners want to hear to the opinions of guys in their mid-40s on the journey to womanhood in a Canadian high school. Oh, hey. So we invited someone who might actually have some perspective on that for you today. Horror model Anya Gore, who is an actual Canadian woman from Vancouver, British Columbia, is with us. Welcome, Anya. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and fellow podcaster. This is the second time we've had her on, uh, Anya Gore and more. That's right. Oh, Anya is yeah. a horror model with Malevolent Productions. They bring some fa- fantastic horror and gore photography to Instagram. Uh, Anya has recently been in some great sets that pay homage to uh, the movies Us and Natural Born Killers, as well as my favorite, your original shoots. Uh, they depict some excellent bloody makeup and effects. Uh, your original co- uh, character, Holly, gets an awful lot more likes than uh, John and I do on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what have you been working on, Anya? And what can we look forward to in the future uh, with you and Malevolent in the uh, in the future? Well, I have. I am working on a shoot coming up with another actor. He's also Canadian and a model as well. His name is Rene Rabora, and we. He came to me with a concept about wanting to do the old folklore vampire, you know, Bram Stoker's kind of Dracula. Nice where he's going to seduce me and then I'm going to be innocent and then he's going to turn me but we're bringing in our special effects makeup artist her name is Chantel she goes by monster MUA on Instagram and we are going to push the boundaries of gore with this one I'm really excited about it I love it so. that's awesome uh, yeah if you if you look at Renee Rabora and, and what he, he's exactly what I what I think of as a, as a vampire so he really, he's, he's got a really great look for that uh absolutely and it's his personality he's awesome and it'll come out when we're shooting together i'm really i'm really excited about that yeah very exciting that that's uh, we'll look forward to that and i heard you're going to be working with some real fire pretty soon too oh yeah yeah <laughs> we're um i'm having something custom built that is going to hold me up i don't want to say the term resurrect me but <laughs> okay. um we're going to be doing something dark coming up. And again, we're going to have the special effects artist for this one. And she's going to be doing effects probably over like 80% of my body. Ooh, wow. And it's this is going to be a crazy one. And it's an all day shoot. And I'm really excited about posting, but at the same time nervous because this one might actually get us flagged. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, it's it's going to be that insane, really? That sounds it's really It's going to be gory. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very cool. Love it. Love yeah. it. 
Uh, I, I love all that stuff. I'm going to look forward to it. So. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> all right. Uh, horror movie horror news. Movie news. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is coming back for a reboot or a direct sequel. iHorror reports the an official website has appeared at TexasChainsaw.com. You can enter your email and get some rewards in the Call of Duty Modern Warfare game. Uh, I, I, I put my email in there, and I, I don't know. I, I don't really play that game, but uh, they sent me an email. Uh, Chris Thomas Devlin will write it. Fede Alvarez is going to produce the coming film, and it's going to focus on Leatherface. Um, I haven't liked anything in this series since 1974. So, <laughs> so I'm not sure how I Agreed. feel about this one. Yeah, I mean, there just hasn't been... Uh, I mean, there's been varying degrees of, of uh, terribleness, but uh, <laughs> you know, there's nothing that I've really liked since the original. Come on, the chainsaw fight in... Texas Chainsaw 2, dude, it was so bad, it was good. Uh, I know, and I agree. Like I said, I mean, there's things to like uh, in the rest of the series, but, uh, and, 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 you know, Texas Chainsaw is probably my favorite horror movie. I think I, I think it was number one on my uh, top five horror, horror list, but. I believe you're right. I just haven't been excited about any kind of uh, reboot or sequel to this uh, since then. So I don't know how you feel about Anya, but, uh, or if you're a fan of the original. Oh yeah, I love the original, and the the second one was funny. It was enjoyable, you know, but anything beyond that, absolutely not. It's been butchered and not in a good way. Here's I, I totally here's agree. the way I feel about it: is that I I like the idea of Fetty Alvarez being a part of this because I love his Evil Dead remake. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's true. Though. Yes, yeah, yeah, agreed. That does give me a little bit of hope because uh, yeah, I, even I like the and Evil Dead is probably number two on my list. Oh, there you so, go. Um, so, yeah, maybe that gives us some hope. We'll see. Uh, Tremor yeah, but it's only production, oh, though. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. He's just the producer on this one. So, uh, Tremor Shrieker Island, which is what we've been forced to report about a lot in this area of slow movie news, is now on Netflix. Uh, Michael Gross says the door is still open for an eighth Tremors movie. No spoilers, but the ending in Tremor Shrieker Island might make you think that the series is over. But no, Michael Gross says in an interview on BloodyDiscussing.com that another series will be driven by the response to this one. But wait, there's more. <laughs> right. Dude, that's like Sharknado. Dude, I, I think Tremors <laughs> was Sharknado before Sharknado, so they keep making them. Because yeah, people they, love they, them. Yeah, they do. And Better they, actors in Tremors, though. For sure. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. <laughs> come on, Tara Reid. Come yeah, on. Bring Tara Reid back. <laughs> but, and Michael, this has been kind of Michael Gross's deal for quite a while now. I uh, uh, I, can't, I don't know of anything else he's been in. He, he was like the uh, villain in a couple of uh, Lifetime movies, I know. But uh, that's that's he was all. the dad on Family Ties. Yeah, well, that's what he's especially known for, obviously. And this is him and that stash, man. Yes, and this is a <laughs> this character is a one eighty. Burt Grummer is a one eighty from that character. That's for sure. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Bloody Disgusting also reported on a study called the Science of Scare, which used scientific methods to determine the scariest movies. Fifty people consumed one hundred and twenty hours of horror in five point one surround sound. Each was fitted with a heart rate monitor to find the ultimate horror movie. The biggest jump scares that got heart rates up as high as 133 were number five the descent mm. uh number four the conjuring number three the exorcist three two big jump scares in that one there oh. were yeah and, and we just talked about the the exorcist three the jump scare uh, uh in, in that one last week uh number two sinister and number one was insidious on the jump scare list now they had a full list of like uh, that took the entirety of the movie and you can go and look at that on, on bloody disgusting.com not that uh that uh, they're paying us or anything like that. I just uh, yeah, I just want to give them some props because because uh, we take a lot of movie news from them. So we read a lot of articles about 
like scientists doing tests on things. We need more of this. Yeah. We need more of this. I want to see <laughs> what movie scares the hell out of people. So, yeah. yes, thank you so much. Blake. Can I volunteer to be one of the people? Absolutely. <laughs> Who are these people? Who are these people that got to watch? On? I'm sure they got paid for it, too. That's yeah. That'd be pretty great. Ah, they're popcorn movie watchers. <laughs> if Insidious was number one to yeah. them. Yeah, that's true. Come on. I get, yeah, I get more like my heart rate goes up more watching Jaws, though. You know, I th- and Jaws doesn't do a whole lot for me, but uh, you know there no, were some there were some, <laughs> there were some good uh, good hereditary that yeah. got oh, my heart yes. rate going from the get go definitely and uh, that's definitely on the uh, list of overall movies that uh, make people's heart rate going. I remember Sinister mm-hmm. having some pretty good jump scares in it too. Yeah, uh, that was an okay movie as far as jump scares with they were pretty well set up. Um, the only other thing I got is they remade Children of the Corn, I guess. Oh, uh, woo. Remake has nothing to do with the 1984 movie. It's rated R for violence and bloody images, which seems like maybe that's all that's got going for it. I wonder if they made it a little bit more close to the story. Oh, the, the novel? The remake? Mm-hmm. Well, not the novel. It's a short story, oh, that, actually. Okay. I just... I did a compare and contrast between the short story and the, the first movie on my podcast. Oh. And... There were some differences with the ending, so I'm wondering if maybe the remake no, is like that. That's interesting. So this is a this is a Stephen King short story. Then I, I'm not really. It is okay. Is yeah. it Richard Bachman one or is it? Did he actually write it as Stephen King? No, Stephen King. Oh, he did. Huh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I yeah. didn't. I actually didn't know that. It's in it's in the Night Shift series. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Right. Weird and wacky well, stuff, man. It's it's not exactly uh, tearing up the charts on uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, so uh, <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I don't know if, if that says anything, but uh, I guess if you're a Children of the Corn fan, check it out, or a big Stephen King fan, maybe maybe check it out. Nah, I'll pass. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I'll watch it when it's free. <laughs> I'd, rather watch, just, I'd rather watch Haunting on Bly Manor yeah. again. Yeah. Ugh. Was that good or was that not good? Dude, that was good. Was it really? Yeah, it's hard to compare... Uh, um, Hill House and, and Bly Manor. There's just two like two different entities. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I thought the Bly Manor was a bit of a letdown at the end. Oh, did you? I th- I, I yeah. liked it because it was more heartbreaking. I mean, I, I, I kind of. Yeah, I went into it hoping that it would be a little bit more in the horror realm, and it wasn't. Yeah, you didn't see as many ghosts as you. Oh, wait, I'm ruining it for everybody. Sorry. (laughs) We haven't thrown out the spoiler yet. So, yeah, sorry. (laughs) Oh, get on to trivia. Uh, Both Emily Perkins and Catherine Isabel, the uh, the lead actors in this movie and Ginger Snaps were in episodes of this popular 90s sci fi TV show filmed in Anya's home of Vancouver, British Columbia. I have no idea. Anya, you you know this one? Okay, that would be the X-Files. Oh, they both appear in separate episodes in, in season five, which I guess would have been right around this era because I think that show started in like ninety three or something. Yeah. Don't didn't, quote me on that. Didn't they try to reboot that like a couple of years ago and it failed miserably? Mm, yeah, I think they did actually. Yes. It didn't didn't do very well. Yes, they did. <laughs> did they did they film it? Did that? not last very long. No, it, it didn't even make a season. I don't think actually. I, I really like that no. show too. I didn't I didn't watch the reboot, but. Um, I liked the show at the time in the 90s. So Yeah, for sure. All right, Andy's Chainsaw Plot. Oh, wait, do we got it? No. Nope. Do, do the plot, and then I'll give the spoiler. Yep. Chainsaw Plot. Two sisters navigating the horrors of high school, teen dating, a fractured family, and burgeoning into sexual immaturity have their situation made exponentially worse when one is bitten by a werewolf. 
Something we know a lot about. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, uh, all of this stuff we know so much about. Good Lord. Uh, we need to bring, in our, bring somebody else in. We're really related. Right, let me do the spoiler yeah. real quick. Uh, this is your spoiler alert. We're going to be talking about Ginger Snaps from 2000, director John Fawcett in its entirety. If you have not seen this movie, pause the podcast, go watch it, come back to listen to what we had to say about it. Anya, initial thoughts of Ginger Snaps. Well, I watched this when it came out, and I rewatched it again about three times in the past month, um, and I still feel the same way. I love this movie. Mm. I love everything about it. You know, I feel the same way. I, I had watched it a long time ago, and I think I just watched it in passing, so I wasn't able to sit down and enjoy it, and uh, I, I'm glad we are doing this movie because it's not necessarily a, a Halloween movie, but it's around Halloween. Um, I think this movie has a lot to do with uh, it's universal for what, you know, coming into maturity as you being a teenager or preteen, you know, growing up into high school. And it, it's not it's not just where it's at in Canada, but it's in America or anywhere you go to high school, you're dealing with these things. You know, there were a lot of poignant conversations between Bridget and between Ginger as far as, you know, the teenage angst. So I really, really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. And it was um, it was a fun watch for me. It was uncomfortable at times, too. But um, I did. Oh, yeah, I, I, I did. <laughs> I did really enjoy it. Andy, what about you? Yeah. So me, too. This movie made me kind of reflect on the experience of high school. And um, I, I went through like the, the puberty and stuff in elementary and junior high. Maybe that's TMI, but uh, it's difficult all those hormones and changes and all while you're in this manufactured society that's like very unlike the real world um, and it, it made me kind of think about how that's uh, different for you know a woman uh, I'm not one of those guys who are horrified or grossed out by menstruation or any of that stuff but I can see how like navigating the social structure of school with uh, other teenagers under the circumstances of these changes your body changing getting your period dealing with your parents that actually can be horrific you know and I don't I don't think this is the first movie to explore the horror of growing up you know as a woman i mean carrie explored that a little but i i think this is probably the best depiction of that analogy and i think it's done really well uh it it really explores the social physical and family situations that like plague a teenage girl's life at this time and i was thoroughly impressed by it um even with all the dog death <laughs> and, yeah, <laughs> you know, suicide stuff and all that didn't detract from this film for me i it, it was so good i you know i looked past those things and um I guess, you know, you you have to think about, the you know, as far as the suicide stuff goes, you know, that's kind of a, I hate the trope, like, at the end of a movie where somebody ends up, like, killing themselves, and that's the only way to solve this problem or whatever, you know, so so suicide for me in a movie is kind of a a trigger, I guess, but... um, in, in in the way this movie opened up, I, I I wasn't sure what to think about it because uh, first of all, you have to think of the era that this comes out in. Columbine just happened. The intro to me seemed like it was going to glorify a suicide. I guess I, I was actually kind of mad at you for picking this out. I was like, Sorry, this, this opens up with a dog death, and then we're going to do, do this. You know, but it was so effective. So, right, no, right, I agree. We watched these girls, uh, you know, talk about suicide that you know in a way that I thought you know it it almost almost seemed like they were going to glorify it. Turns out that it's a class photo product. The girls are kind of obsessed with death. They made this pact. I was kind of surprised that they 
started the movie that way, leaning, you know, just kind of making it look that way. Uh, and they actually had some difficulty financing this film because of the violence involving teens at the time. And I found the choice to hint that these two were kind of do what they were think, talking about doing rather than showing that it was a photo uh, project kind of interesting. So um, I don't know. I mean, what did, what did you think of that, Anya? I loved I loved the death scenes. So mm-hmm. I personally watching this now, I was incredibly inspired <laughs> by yeah. everything, every one of those scenes. And I, I looked into it a little bit and the director actually refused to have C- any CGI effects. So all all of the effects that you see are done with makeup and prosthetics. And I was really impressed by that because some of it looks really good and really real and really violent. And I, I loved that they allowed for these two girls in high school to be able to show their love for the horror and the dark stuff. Um, when I was in high school, that stuff would not have been okay and it wouldn't have been allowed. And even the, the school's reaction and the teacher's reaction to that, it would have been a lot m- more firm in my high school. Um, sure. Something I wanted to point out, which I don't know if you guys know because you guys live in the U.S., but in a lot of parts of Canada and a lot in specifically British Columbia where I am, we don't have junior or middle high Mm-hmm. So we've got elementary school, which is kindergarten to grade seven. And then you have high school, which is grade eight to 12. Oh, okay. And so one of the things about this movie was they did try to show um, American and Canadian sides. And so instead of having the younger girl in high school with the older sister, which would have been fine in Canada, they had her skip a grade to make it seem there was more rationale about why. Right. She was in the same grade as her older sister. Um, so in high school, some kids were going in there as 12 year olds, which wow. is even younger than these two girls were. Right. And you're coming in to that kind of environment. Um, and so it's even scarier when you're 12 or 13 going to high school as 17 year olds. Yeah, it, uh, that that's a really interesting point. I, I didn't, and I did notice that they, you know, put her in the same grade as her sister, and and I think that that was part partially led to some of her dependence on her sister as well. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's exactly what it was. Is that the older sister is like like her? Um, it mm-hmm. seemed like her her mentor. Yeah, you know, they are they're a year apart. So uh, Ginger was 16 and I believe Bridget was 15 or had just turned 15, Um, you know, really looked up to her sister and they were so close. They made this pact. They cut into their hand. They had those scars on their hands and, you know, they made this pact. Um, I kind of like for me, the the similarities of of of, um, Ginger changing into the werewolf you know, it's so it's so spot on about about people wanting to be accepted into school. Uh, I, I thought some so something surreal that that Ginger said in the movie is like, we're either known as the outcast. We're known as the pretty girl, the girl next door or this. And, you know, to me, that that said a lot about the movie, you know, the, the similarities of of being in high school and trying to be accepted, you know, they, they had their own little thing, but you know, once, uh, once Ginger got bit, you know, she got bit with the popularity bug, you know, rather than just as a werewolf, you know what I mean? As absolutely. Yeah. 
So she she wanted to be accepted by these people, and this is why she was doing these things. And she did it not of her personality, but of her, you know, what people thought of her or what what she wanted people to think of her. Whereas, you know, Bridget was still almost innocent and, and staying in her own, you know, just staying in her own skin and not having to do all these things to be popular. Yep. Right. I, I, I think that was... Um you know the, that that is that is really an interesting dichotomy between the two mm-hmm. because uh, yeah the older girl did uh, you know Ginger did kind of uh, lean into that where Bridget wasn't didn't want to be a part of that at all and um, and I think you said something interesting too Anya about um, you know how these these two are and maybe maybe I'm taking this from a, it's probably just my personal feelings on on like suicide and horror movies and and stuff like that but that this kind of stuff wouldn't have been okay uh, and, and I think I'm not gonna I think we're all we, we, we were all in high school a little earlier than this uh, but um, I know John and I were but but you're right I mean this this would have been weird or or whatever and, and maybe I'm I'm looking at that from from too uh, puritanical a, a point of view where, uh, yeah, when a person enjoys like gory horror things, that should be OK. All of us do, obviously. Um, and uh, and I and I think it, um, you know, it, 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 it showed the the girls being that this that this was OK for these girls to, to be kind of embracing this darker stuff. But it's like, oh, absolutely. Yeah, and to me, that's like any other person that feels like an outcast, you know, because high school is a popularity contest, and it always has been. I mean, it's right. maybe on different levels, you know, you have the bullying, you have this, and, you know, people making fun of you. The one thing I did notice, sorry, put a little levity in this, is that everybody just smoked. Yeah, that was... They, they smoked... Uh, well, didn't you in high school? I, know I, I, I did. I in the 90s. I, I, I had to, but I had to go off I had to go off campus. They're sitting there, like, during PE, and they're just sitting there on the bleachers making fun of the... Oh, yeah. You know, just having a cigarette going, oh, yeah. There was a smoking lounge when I was in high school. Not me. You had a smoking lounge? Oh, yeah, we had to go either out back or we would do it anyway. <laughs> the field. Yeah, no, there was a smoking lounge in high school when I went to high school, uh, and uh, cigarettes were really... They were this ubiquitous. I mean, I don't think we probably would have wouldn't have smoked right in gym class, but uh, you could definitely smoke on campus. We could. It was sanctioned. There were, uh, you know, <laughs> the, uh, I think I didn't even smoke, and I think I had cigarettes in my locker, <laughs> <laughs> just in case your friends needed just one. Just in case somebody needed one, right? And I had definitely carried a lighter around too. Oh, that's so, funny. Uh, yeah, those I, I, scenes where they're outside smoking and playing lacrosse are a hundred percent accurate from my high school experience that's kind of funny. really I, it wasn't awesome. lacrosse for me specifically but we would be in gym class and half the girls would be standing there smoking while the other half were running or struggling and <laughs> then the boys would be walking by whistling and hooting at us yeah it was uh well, very it very much the 90s yeah definitely i mean it really did st- it was it was striking to see that nowadays like it, yeah it was, it was like very strange to see that in that movie but uh that is the way it was. Actually. Not not for me. I'm from Southern California, so they're okay. very they're very like uh, 
you know, health conscious, I guess. It, it was a whole different culture in Southern California. <laughs> a little dude. ahead of time. Yeah, right? it was. We, we couldn't do that. <laughs> oh, smoking's bad for you. You know, it's like, all right. <laughs> so in, in those scenes, I thought it was really interesting, like the uh, how the character of Sam kind of shows that he shows up during, uh, you know, he's he's there uh, ostensibly as a tree surgeon or whatever. Uh, he kind of reminded me of uh, Wooderson in Dazed and Confused, you know, uh, Matthew all McCain. Right. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. He's this ever-present non-faculty adult entry uh, <laughs> entity on the on the high school campus. Uh, and when I was in high school, there were certainly guys like this. I, I don't think you ever see like twenty-five-year-old women hanging out at a high school. Uh, no. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, there were guys like that at at my campus. I'm sure they they keep them off of campus nowadays. But um, you know, unlike Wooderson, I think I think this guy has might say even though he's a drug dealer, he probably has a little bit better morals he's uh he's really there to sell drugs he, he's uh kind of admired by the most popular girl trina and and he just kind of ignores her. he's not there to pick up high school girls they're his clients yeah <laughs> you know, for a for a pot dealer he's awfully scrupulous and professional he even turns down werewolf ginger when she kind of throws herself at the end so she breaks his that's arm. right <laughs> yeah. yeah here's I, I like the care. I like what uh, John Fawcett did with this character because he was very, very delicate about the relationship between him and Bridget that, you know, he's yeah. just here to help. You know, he's a really intelligent guy and he, you know, he's, he's doing research for, her. Um, you know, they could have turned this guy totally creepy you know, to, oh, definitely. To, to the ultimate antagonist or, or part uh, a little bit of an antagonist. I really like what the director did with that character. Yeah. I agree. And especially the time frame when all of the, you know, the movies that were coming out with Freddie Prinze Jr. And they always had that main guy end up falling for the nerdy girl. And it it would always change the story into a relationship love story. And I love how they didn't do that here at all. Exactly. He was almost the practical voice of reason to them. You know, he he even says to them, like, let's forget the Hollywood rules when it came to the werewolf and you know let's think about how we can fix this and they compared it to a virus and i i liked that he was bridget's voice of reason and bridget was ginger's voice of reason and he was he was very attentive of her because like when they did the uh the cure he's like just give this to ginger and and she looks at him because she's pretending it's her that that that's got this ailment or this virus of being a werewolf um, but he figured it out. He knows what's going on. Yep. Yeah, I, lo- I love the, like the comparison of of uh, of lycanthropy to to a virus in this. I thought that was pretty- and uh, you know that kind of uh, brings me to another point. Sam's not the only boy in this movie. Uh, I think the relationship between Ginger and Jason uh, has got to be very recognizable to anyone that's gone through high school. Jason is, uh, you know, he's kind of a jerk. And he's there for one thing there's, that he's looking for from Ginger. He doesn't really notice girls for any reason other than their body, and he's not paying any attention to Ginger until she makes this transformation, you know, wearing tighter outfits, showing off her body and stuff. But he be, he becomes like Ginger becomes more aggressive right. later on, you know, and transfers this virus. Um, I, I thought that was kind of a cool, uh, cool kind of a, uh, what they call red herring, yeah. you know, because yes. she came home all bloodied up and she's crying. And this is the, this is when um, um, Jason and her were out, you know, making out in the car and, you know, she's just crying and Bridget's like, what's going on? 
uh, she, she had killed the neighbor's dog. <laughs> the dog, right? <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, what, what is the character of Jason? I'm sure you know guys like this in in uh, high school, Anya. Or what? What do you think of that character? I, I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what's what's really interesting about his character is, in in one respect, he is this stereotype guy. Like you were saying, when I was in high school, there was always the the kind of leader of the pack, and he would only be wanting to get laid and then talk about it and brag about it and then move on to the next one and but what I really liked that they did with his character is there's these small little elements that kind of respect the women um without making it obvious and so I felt like that was the director and the writer's kind of nod to womanhood and so as an example when after Jason and Ginger have been together and Jason shows up at the bleachers with his friends and he's got cuts all over his face and they're giving him high fives you know what what happened to you and Ginger rock my world and then they'll start laughing at him and say what did you get your rag to and Jay Jason looks down and just says ah fuck and then he leaves if that reaction were to have happened when I was in high school, it, it would have turned into probably rumors. It would have been making fun of Ginger. It would have turned into such a big deal. But in this particular scene, that's all his reaction needed to be because it showed that that's how the reaction should be. A little bit of a, ooh, and that's about it. Yeah. Sure. But in high school... Anytime anybody talked about menstruation with young girls and boys, especially that type of boy. Oof. Oh, yeah. The, so I, I really appreciated seeing that they touched on his character going and being squeamish about it. But then they didn't force it anything more than that. And when I would have seen that when the time that this came out, I absolutely would have noticed that right away. So that was a beautiful tribute for, for girls and menstruation. Yeah. You know, that's really interesting because there's still people, especially I think our age who are, you know, think that way about menstruation and and women's health and things like that. It's, it's just kind of a taboo subject to a a lot of people, uh, especially our age. I don't know what it's like in high school these days. I I remember in high school that it like, for me, it's like, I had no understanding, but as I I become older, you know, it's just an understanding about how the human body works. You'll never understand it. If you're male, you know, but I mean, you you, absolutely. Well, especially in the 90s, too. They didn't have a classroom where they sat down and really discussed it the the way that I've been told that they do now. Oh, and sure. Yeah. So I think and especially speaking from a woman's perspective, anybody that has any young kids, we're not shying away from letting our kids know that we bleed. (laughs) Right. Because we don't want them to be shocked by it. But Especially in the 90s, it was such a taboo topic that, you know, girls, we didn't poo, we didn't fart, and we didn't bleed. <laughs> right. And so, no, and anytime those I, I, things I were really made th- obvious. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I was just no. going to say, anytime they were made obvious, it was just a, such a big deal, and everybody would be grossed out by the girl. Right. And, you know, I didn't really think about that side of Jason's character. He is actually very understanding. He offers Ginger pot to deal with her cramps. Like, he, yes. like he's actually, like, trying to help her with her cramps, uh, you know, and and, uh, and he's kind of understanding of that. So I, I didn't really uh, pick up on that uh, nuance of his character, I guess, at all. 
uh, priorities. Well, it wasn't an obvious nuance, though. That's what I really appreciated from the girl's perspective, seeing a little bit of that empathy, but especially in such a, a very stereotyped boy character. Right. And so I think it wasn't meant to be a really obvious thing, but as a girl watching this, if I was in that age category, I would have looked at that and gone, wow, I wish the boys around here would react that way. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. I didn't think about that side of his character at all. I did. I really love the way the consequences of his behavior were portrayed here. Uh, like, like, in, uh, like anthropy is kind of a stand in for, you know, a virus or an STD in this case that there's that great scene of him at the urinal. I love that scene. I didn't really feel too bad for him. Right no, there. not at all. <laughs> you know, oh, no. Worst pain in blood. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I, I thought that was, I thought that was really, um, really pretty, pretty, uh, a, a pretty great scene where he's, uh, you know, at this urinal and <laughs> well, see, and after that happens, um, you know, it's almost like all teenagers have raging hormones, you know, some people can withdraw them a little bit better. That's that right after that, you know, he became this, this ball of hormones, you know, he's just so aggressive, you know, as the teeth are coming in, I, and we haven't mentioned the transformation of becoming a werewolf. You get a tail. You know, that's a, that's an allegory for, you know, your your body's your body's growing hair and you're 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 becoming a man or you're becoming a woman. And the fact that you, it was the the, you know, the typical hornball guy, you know, when he makes or he's starting to transform into the werewolf. I, I kind of love that. Yeah, that, that was great. Guess what I did last night? <laughs> I ate my dog and I'm growing a tail. (laughs) I also thought that that actor, especially in that scene, his, his freak out scene and then running out of the bathroom and holding his pants and yelling at Bridget that his red pen exploded. It was my red pen. I thought he did that scene so nicely. That That was great. He played this character fantastically. That was, that was a great job by that actor. Um, totally. <laughs> uh, I, I think there, there, there's some things going on with this family, too. I really like the dynamics of the family in this. Uh, mother and father in counseling for some reason. Mother's certainly the only real voice that talks to these, uh, these girls. The dad is kind of a, uh, oblivious and unaware of what's going on with his daughters at all. Uh, I think it's an uh, interesting theme that the, you know, um, I, I don't know the girl's culture of glorifying death, misanthropy, and the usual raging that teenagers do kind of masks the uh, lycanthropy that's occurring here. So the, the, their daughter's turning into a werewolf, but they almost just don't notice it because uh, this is kind of this is what they think is is uh, hap- just it's just her being a teenager, you know. Yeah, Bridget actually brings that up though. She says, you know, uh, she has a conversation with her mom of why she needs these dead flowers, which is the antidote for this, right? Um, um, and and she, like Bridget makes up a story and says, well, we really love the way you just let us handle it on our own. Yes. And and the yeah. mom's like, oh, yeah, OK, well, yeah, let's just keep doing that so they can handle their own problems. And just like you, you made a great point that she, they're like really hands off. You know, the dad's just there to kind of go, yes, dear. Um, or, you know, protect his daughter, because there were a couple of times where Ginger wanted to leave the the, the table and dad. 
let me go. And dad's like, mm, stuffing his face with chicken. Yeah, and I think the dad is just oblivious and he doesn't want to deal with this. He doesn't, he's, he is one of these guys that's like afraid of what's going on with his daughter, I think. Oh, yeah. And and that's why this, the hands-off approach is, it's like, we don't want to deal with this. Right. I well, mean, yeah, the mom. am I right there or am I reading that right or what's going on here? That's how I read it, too. Yeah. And I mean, anybody... Anybody that I knew in this era, I think it's very different now. You have a lot more stay-at-home dads now. Yeah. Um, but in the era of when I grew up, and maybe it was the same for you guys, mom was a stay-at-home mom, and the dad was working. And so he just wasn't really involved in day-to-day. And especially when it comes to young girls, they don't want to be involved with periods and turning into a woman because that comes with its own fears and you know that was talking ex- about menstruation yes. is taboo yes. and so the mom always wanted to be the cool mom and that's how they made her feel so that she wouldn't be involved in yes. all of these changes that were happening happening to ginger that's exactly what that's exactly the way I read that. The dad just he was like, if, if I have to, you know, if I don't just let Ginger go, I'm going to have to deal with this. I'm going to have to maybe talk about a period or something. And I don't want to do that. Right. That was their first conversation as a family when they sat down together for, for that first dinner. And um, she was talking about uh, Ginger was talking about her back hurting. And yes. are you getting cramps that yes. mom's asking her? And she's like, well, maybe. <laughs> And then the dad's just sitting there stuffing his face with chicken going. (laughs) But the mom. I can almost guarantee you we've had that kind of conversation at my table growing up. (laughs) My dad looking down, looking away. (laughs) Period talk would have ever been. He might even have gotten up and walked out of the room. He starts whistling. <laughs> and and like one of the most terrifying things I can think of during the time I was a teenager was having a talk with my parents and other adults about what was going on with me. Uh, I mean, uh, my wife uh, when I watched this, Sarah admitted that she hid her period from her mother as long as she could for this exact reason. Like that awful <laughs> awkward thing uh, happens to these girls in two scenes that I thought were really fantastic. The scene where the guidance counselor who made menstruation sound like a horror show, and then. <laughs> Oh, when, yeah. when, uh, when Bridget bit the uh, proverbial bullet to hide the fact that Trina was dead in the freezer and asked her mom, you know, what do boys want? These, those were great scenes that, well, maybe they weren't scary. They were so cringy and just so yeah. well done that they were like, I enjoyed being cringed by them. You know? Well, I think the mom. Oh, yeah. They called they called her menstruation a geyser of blood. Yeah. <laughs> That's disgusting. It gives you such a, a great visual. And I mean, especially in that time frame that was the kind of attitude that young boys had that we would have geysers of blood just rushing from our bodies and i mean that is so far (laughs) through but it was so disgusting and that's why i loved all the blood in this movie Mm -hmm. because it really reiterates that whole outlook from that time frame of everything is geysers of blood exactly right (laughs) i love the arc of the mom though because at the end, they're going to go pick up uh, uh, Ginger from this party. Right. And the mom sits in there and she says, this is my fault. You know, this is totally my fault. I was so hands off with this. Look at my daughter is sick. She's, you know, and because she had found the fingers and realized. And that was kind of funny because she put the fingers in a <laughs> Tupperware and then put it in the fridge because she realized that they were real. Right. Um I don't know. I just kind of like that arc of her just like hands off. And then at the end, you know, realizing that I should have been a more hands on parent. 
Yeah, she got it at the end, definitely. Yeah, yeah so it, it was kind of heartbreaking <laughs> to see that, and you're kind of like, well, be a be a better mom, I guess. <laughs> That's one of the things that, that I really had a takeaway from this movie was that everything about this movie is very pro women, women empowerment, and women embracing our womanhood. Mm-hmm. And to watch the mom go from the oblivious. I'm a cool mom. I'm not going to really be involved to recognizing that, that typically that acknowledgement from a mom would not have happened in a movie. And I really, again, give all the props to this director and the writer for these sort of small, but impactful moments. I I agree a hundred percent. But the one thing I did notice is she never took off her gardening gloves. She she never took off her gardening gloves. (laughs) And she was always baking stuff. What was yeah, that? Oh, my God. So I get why she'd hide it from her mom when I saw probably the most cringeworthy scene in this. Uh, I love this in this movie. She gets this celebration cake for entering womanhood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's got these. This is cake with strawberries that like the strawberry runs down the sides of the cake like blood. I mean, that was not lost on me either. It was. So <laughs> Do you know that was. That sort of thing actually would happen. I got a present. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Wow. I mean, it's a little bit more cringeworthy here because she's older. Sixteen is quite old. Sure, it is. Yeah. For for girls to kind of have their period, I think I was twelve when I got mine. So, it, it, but yes, definitely the celebration of becoming a woman. And, and from, there, yes. And then there's this great scene where she's shaving her legs too. And uh, <laughs> I mean, that's gotta be, that's gotta be even, I, I don't know. What do you think of that scene? <laughs> yeah. Because I loved that scene because I have very, very specific, vivid memories of the first time I shaved my legs and it was, I hid from my mom just really, really similarly to when Ginger is in there shaving off the the hair from the werewolf on her legs. Um, And then her mom walks in and instantly she just shuts the curtain. And that moment is such a pivotal moment to young girls when mom can no longer see us. And it's that moment where everything changes. Right. And it's so huge. It's like a rite of passage. And I'm pretty sure every girl is going to remember that moment. I remember that moment more vividly than the first time I got my period, you know, uh-huh. was the moment where I don't want my mom to see me anymore. I'm not flat chested anymore. I have a period. I've got hair on my body. And so that scene completely encompassed everything when her mom walks in and says, you don't need to hide. It's nothing I haven't seen before. And Ginger yells at her. That's what you think <laughs> in more ways than one. It's not just because she has a tail in werewolf. Hair, right. Right. But it's because she's now, you know, a young woman, no longer a little girl. Exactly. It was a great scene. Great Um, scene. It was my favorite scene in the whole movie, actually. Yeah. And it's there's so much like to think about in that scene where she's, you know, she's she's talking about uh, that. I don't have anything to hide from for, you know, you don't have anything that I haven't seen before. Right. I I love that part. But Uh, but she also says, didn't she say I feel ugly or something like that? She said, I'm just fat. Oh, I'm just fat. Yeah. (laughs) And, yeah, and then, it's really that 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 scene as well, because 
her mom looks down at these fashion magazines and I remember looking at fashion magazines at that time, right. you know, obsessing over K Moss and the waif look and looking really, really, really tiny and skinny. So saying something like I'm just fat would have kind of rolled off and going, no, 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 you're not fat. Whereas today a young girl says, I'm just fat. It's an issue. Yeah. yeah sure. And I like that they subtly address this in this movie. Yeah, I thought that because was great too. Ginger's mom says to her, you know, they all do. What does she say again? They all speed. do speed to look like that, yeah. <laughs> which which is true. Yeah. I it, mean, maybe not as much these days because obviously curves are embraced. Right, but yeah. back then, oh, yeah, I think Kate Moss is admitted to being a heavy drug user during that time. Oh, definitely. I think, uh, you, you know, it was in the 90s. So I think there was a lot of heroin going on back then. That was that was the right. But, uh, that'll make you skinny, too. Uh, in, in not so, but uh, yeah, I, I thought that was, uh, you know, really said something, too, about and especially putting this in the context of that era right after the 90s like that was uh, um, was really because you didn't you didn't have like models like Ashley Graham and and, um, you know, other people like that, that uh, that the models were like Kate Moss back then. So, oh, yeah, I remember when was it the Spice Girls, um, oh, yeah. the curvy one, ginger spice, ironically, um, and was she a size eight or something that was considered to be plus size then? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Which is absolutely tiny. <laughs> I haven't been yeah. a size eight. No, it, 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 probably it high school. is. It absolutely is. So I, and yeah, I think, you know, you, you almost have to kind of go back to that era to, cause we just don't thankfully don't think that way anymore. No. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as far as like the, we talked a little bit about the effects in this movie mm-hmm. being practical, and I loved that. I even loved the where you know Ginger's full transformation. I some people call it plastic or whatever. I really love that. But I think the best death in this movie is Trina's, and it's it's accidental. So I don't know you'd call it a kill, but I think it's still probably the best death in the movie with the uh, blood and the milk running together. As a, that's like I tried to I tried to figure it out exactly. How did she die? So I, I think really. She I rewatched that scene a few times because she has a knife in her hand. Does she hit yes. her head? Yeah. I think she Does she land on the her, knife? I think she trips her, hits her head and lands on the knife. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think that's what happened there uh, because she is bleeding okay. like out of her chest area uh, and her head, I think. Uh, but like okay. there's this blood running through this milk. So there's this like contrast of white and red yeah that i loved yes. i thought that was i thought that was great uh and i expected ginger to maybe kill her in this scene uh but the fact that she didn't it itself was kind of a surprise um and i wondered kind of if it was, when it was originally written that if ginger did kill her and you know because for the rest of the movie the characters kind of act like trina was murdered i mean this was an accident and all the girls really did was hide a body but there, you know, I and I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm reading too much into that. But you know, is it like the mom says? You two did a very terrible thing, you know, and and they didn't really do anything except hide a body. Yeah. Well, and that <laughs> Which was is a, probably a terrible thing. But. Well, she froze really quick when she got put in the freezer. I mean, she was she was like she had been in there for the ice age. You know what I mean? Right. Like Trina. Yeah, yeah. Did you realize that? And then like they try to give me a screwdriver and they pull Chipped her fingers, fingers off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So. And then they bury her in the playhouse. <laughs> yeah, but I loved that scene. I thought that was a great death. I guess I don't like I said. I don't know if you call it a kill, but I thought that was a great, great death. So, well, there were there were some good deaths. I mean, the the innocent janitor got slaughtered. 
Did he though? I thought yeah. he, he said he became a. Uh, he was getting ready to turn, then she just like I guess reached into his. Oh heart, yeah, he uh, did. That's right. And killed the uh, guidance counselor. So yeah, that uh, was a good. That, that was. That I was wish we could have seen that happen, but yeah. uh, it yeah, happened behind closed doors. Was well, like his ear was bitten off, and you know it was just gory. Yeah, it was great. It was a really good gory scene that the when she walks into that room and and the counselor is dead. I thought that that was great. That was great. Great effects there. Um, the last 20 minutes of the film kind of revert to more of standard horror fare, I guess. Uh, scene in the basement, I thought I thought it really had some great tension. And I, like I said, I actually liked the practical wolf effects here. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I love it. I love it. I think it's aged a lot better than a CGI werewolf would have. Oh, absolutely. This time. Oh, yeah. Um, Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know, you know a lot more about effects than I do, uh, uh, Anya. But uh, I mean, I just, I just thought like the this scene was the you know the the effects and stuff in this scene and and the wolf were really great as they were in the in the entire movie. And I think the movie ages a lot better because of it. Yeah, because of the practical effects that they've they've put into this movie. I liked and, absolutely, and I love what you just said there. I, the the tension is all there because basically uh, it's just. Um, it's uh, Bridget and it's what's his name the the dude Sam Sam mm-hmm. um, you know just trying to f- they have to figure out how to get one more serum to change the sister back because her her transformation's gradual and you, it's cool you get to see it like you see it in her face starting to turn mm-hmm. and then you actually see her like morph like you saw in uh, American Werewolf in London right in the back of right. the van but it's those two and it's like a back and forth thing it gets quiet you have a little bit of a jump scare Sam gets totally jacked up by her you know just kills her takes takes him downstairs and he's getting ready to turn and then all of a sudden she bites uh, Ginger bites him in the neck as the werewolf um, there's one one left and the tension between there of you know like like of bridget try like trying the blood and then she ends yes. up throwing it back up yes. because i'm not going to be like that right that's almost no, the the final scene was a real homage to uh america werewolf in london definitely yeah I, I i saw that too but uh yeah i thought i i really thought there was great tension in the scene and i really liked this scene uh some people you know, feel that it kind of went off the rails here and 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 uh, went down, but I don't. I I think this was a great way to end the movie, and um, you know, there was some real tension and and real um, actual scares in this part. Yep, I agree. Yeah, I, I, I it really, needed it needed to head to this direction. It did. It, you I needed mean, to see her kind of completely become the monster. Right, right. I, I totally agree. Uh, and the final shot in the film is, you know, Ginger's death. Uh, Bridget embraces her sister. She dies because, uh, you know, she had, she had kind of fallen on the on the knife that Bridget was holding. Right. Uh, so more or less accidentally inflicted her own wound on her on her. And it. uh uh, you know, I wasn't, I don't know. I wasn't big on the way this ended, I guess. I, I, I wanted to see Bridget maybe reject the, uh, the whole suicide thing and stuff. But again, she did though. She said something. She goes, I'm not going to die in this room with you. That was their pact. I, yeah, that's true. That's true. I guess she did actually say that. You're right. She said, I am not going to die in this room with you. That was their pact. That's what they they were going to do. So you're right. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know how you felt about the the ending on you. Maybe you. I think you have a little well, bit of perspective. Maybe I'm coming. So from I know it. that there's, I don't know if you know this, there's a Ginger Snaps too. Yes. And it was hard for me to watch it not knowing it went into another movie. Okay. 
So if I'm trying to remember how I felt when I initially watched it forever ago. Um, but I remember I liked the ending because you can see Bridget's hesitation from the get go about that suicide pact the pack the two of them had. Exactly. And so it wasn't a real shock that Bridget didn't want to go down with her. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I, I, and I guess she did kind of make the choice not to go that way. Now, she didn't take the serum either because Ginger Snaps 2 is about Bridget. Right. And it's actually the same actress. Mm-hmm. It, the actress it, it is yeah. they actually have you seen it i have not seen it? I, was, I was i was thinking about watching it before today but i thought i would not uh taint my view of this movie with it uh, and i'll watch it later <laughs> i watched it when it came out so long ago so i don't remember it in detail uh-huh. i did not like it like i liked this one and that's kind of and what I, i'm sorry i think if i remember correctly she either goes back in time or it's long lost um, relatives in some capacity I w- again I would need to watch it okay again but it didn't go the direction that this you would think it would go from this movie yeah and I, and I thought it would be really hard for them to pull off the kind of profundity that they pulled off with this movie in a, in a sequel so I, I'm not surprised that that's kind of the way the sequel turns out um there's also a Ginger Snaps 3. I think it's called Ginger Snaps colon something or, or, or other. Uh, so Oblivion. <laughs> yeah, Ginger, I don't know. but uh, They should yeah. have just stopped at the first one. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I mean, yeah, a film like this, just uh, you're not going to... I, I guess a sequel is a money grab, and, and you know maybe you make back some of the money that you didn't... Uh, didn't negotiate right into your contract in the first one. I, I, I agree with you mostly, but uh, there's also that story to be told of Bridget. She didn't take the serum. So what happened? You know, so, so, so it kind of made sense of why that. Yeah, I, I don't disagree that that could have been a money grab to me. Like the ending was like so profound and just it, it was heartbreaking. It was just like, no matter what, no matter what my sister is, I still love her. Um, And she's like, like those tears that she's crying. It's just, your heart is breaking. You're like, oh my God, you know? And you're like, damn, what a way to end a movie. Yeah. Doesn't end happy. (laughs) All righty. Did we miss anything? I don't think so. I just wanted to also say, I loved the little real Canadian tidbits that they had in it. They had the kids playing hockey. And the weather in this movie, (laughs) it's probably not impactful to anyone else, but that's how our weather is here most of the time. Dreary, (laughs) rainy, Mm -hmm. leaves everywhere. So this was supposed to uh, happen in Ontario, right? Which is uh, kind of north of us here or east of us in Mm -hmm. Wisconsin. Was this filmed in British Columbia, though? That's a good question. I, I don't know. I, I know that um, Catherine is from BC. Oh, really? Okay. Um, yeah, which actually I found out that this blew my mind when I found this out. But the two actresses, Catherine and Emily, they, <laughs> apparently this was not pre-planned, any of this. But they not only auditioned for the for that movie the same day, but they were also born in the same hospital. They attended the same preschool the same elementary school and the same private school. And they also worked through the same talent agency. Wow. Holy. Wow. 
<laughs> That's really a <laughs> talk about coincidence. destiny. Yeah. yeah, these girls were meant to work together. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, all right, awesome. So uh, we'll rate it. We'll go with Anya, our guest. Uh, is it good? Is it bad? Is it a classic? And what do you rate it? Zero out of five. I'm going to say it's a classic because it is held up beautifully. Right. Um, and I'm going to give it a four and a half out of five. I loved it. You want to give your score last, Andy, or would you like to go? I can go now. All right. Uh, I think this is... <laughs> I, I think this is on the verge of a classic. I'm not sure if it's a classic quite yet. Uh, I think I think it's definitely... I'm just going to say, yeah, it's a classic. I, I think it's a classic. Okay. And I'm going to give it four stars. I think it, it, it uh, really has a... Uh, profound message that doesn't slap you in the face with it though Mm -mm. you know it's not like uh trying to do that uh you know like over trying to to give you this message about uh you know womanhood and and all this stuff but um and and it's a really good werewolf story on top of all of that acting is fantastic the the two actresses are are brilliant in it they're just fantastic and uh yeah i'll give it four stars all right well, I agree with what with what you both said. I'm going to I'm going to one up everybody. I'm going to say this is a five-star movie. It's a must-watch wow. and this is an absolute classic. I love this movie. I love like it's like what Hereditary does or Midsummer does where it just makes you uncomfortable, but there's so many layers to the movie and subtle and then there's some that are just right in your face. There was all of that. Um, right. you know, it, I don't find any flaws with that. I mean, it's just something that you can watch all the time, even though it's surrounding around Halloween, you know, or, or late fall. But it's it was handled with so much care. And I agree. The acting was like on point, Oh yeah, you know, from the guidance counselor to the mom, you know, who's supposed to be quirky at the beginning where the dad doesn't say anything. But the character and, and the relationship between these two sisters is just you kind of love seeing that. So I'm going to say it's a five-star movie, and wow. it is a classic. So I think we're all in agreement with that. Yeah, I would agree. All righty. Anya, thank you so much for coming in or coming on with us today to talk about this great movie. Uh, what do you have coming up, and where can people find you? Well, thank you for having me. Um, find me on Instagram. It's A-N-Y-A, Anya, Gore, G-O-R-R-E, and I have another podcast that I'm going to be doing next week, actually. So stay tuned for Horror and More with Anya Gore. Awesome. And I am shooting every few weeks. So I've got some crazy new content coming soon. Excellent. We are looking forward to it. Hey, coming up, uh, we're going to wrap up Shocktober month uh, talking about the anthology movie from 2012, VHS. Oh, looking forward to that one. So good. Great movie. And then uh, November 6th, we are going to talk about the new Nicolas Cage movie on Shutter exclusively, The uh, Color Out of Space, right? Indeed. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks so much for listening to the Horror For You podcast, episode number 82, and we will talk to you all next week.